Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sports Facts, Stats, and Smacks with Kevin and Avery. Kevin, how are you doing today? Good. How you been? I've been doing all right. Lots going in on in the sporting world the last couple weeks and a lot going on coming up. But I want to talk about last week's episode. I was still super excited about last week's episode. That was fantastic. Um, I had a yeah. great time talking with Adrian. Yeah, Adrian was awesome. Probably the best best guest we've had on the podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say we're right up there with number one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not to make fun, but you watched um, some Australian rules football last week. So how how was your view different? It helped. Honestly, like, like sitting down and having that chance for uh, Adrian to talk with us and like enlighten, educate us, I guess. Yeah. Tur- got up, turned on the TV, and uh, I saw the AFL sitting there, and I, I, I grabbed a beer and I sat down, and it was so much easier to follow it with a better understanding of what the outcome is going to be and the scoring. Okay, yeah, and that's so true because I went back and watched some different highlights and it was a lot more interesting now that I know a little bit more about the game. The only thing that I have to say that we didn't touch on or maybe Adrian didn't say was he didn't drop any fair dinkums on us. I was hoping he would say that because I've heard it in other interviews and it just makes me laugh and yeah, so, but other than that, it was an awesome, awesome time. I'm glad we had him on and I'm glad you watched some AFL over the weekend, so. And, you know, just like the, before we wrap that up, you know, when he was talking about the scoring yeah. of what points are worth what and how you have the two or three different columns. Yeah. I was actually able to look for that. I looked for that. And I'm like, okay, now I see what he's talking yeah. about. <laughs> now I get this. But yeah, if you don't know it, you're going to be lost. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was pretty awesome. I, I hope we can get out to a game. Yeah, so do I. I think getting out to a game, watching it, maybe do a little podcasting while we're there, like from the stands. So yeah, that'd be kind of cool too. So, But one of the things I want to talk about this week, baseball's right around the corner. It's opening day. To be fair, when you're listening to this, opening day has already happened. So, But I got a whole bunch of opening day facts. So let me know if you know any of these, Kevin. Okay. Do you know when the first opening day was? First game of the season. <laughs> so the first opening day was played in the National League on April 22nd, 1876. Boston defeated the Philadelphia Athletics 6-5 to at Jefferson Street Grounds in Philadelphia. So I, wow. I don't think Jefferson Street Grounds is still there, but I'm willing to bet it was a small place. Probably not even fenced in with a little bit of stands. Like, a little cornfield? Yeah, almost probably. But So some of the cool facts that I've learned is... Tom Seaver, I've heard of him as a pitcher, and he's he has the most starts in opening day. So he has 16 opening day starts, and that was, um, he was the oldest pitcher to start a game, and he was 41, and that was with the 86 White Sox, and that was in his final season. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a good stat to have. Or I, I guess he's not the oldest person to ever do it, sorry. But that makes him one of 22 pitchers to start at least one opening day at 41 years or older. So there's a lot of pitchers. <laughs> yeah. And a, if you're going way back in 1876, that's a lot of pitchers. And you said that was just the National League then? Yeah, that was just a National League okay. at that point. He has the most consecutive opening day starts as well. He's tied for that record with 14 straight with Jack Morris, and Jack Morris did it from 1980 to 1993. So that's 14 
and he had yeah 14 opening day starts in a row. Um, Tom Seaver did it from 1968 to 1979. You know, it's a lot of pitching way back, way yep. back. I see, uh, I've been watching this Dave Steve YouTube video lately, and it's going to be four parts. And if you don't know who Dave Steve is, shame on you. But he's a great pitcher. He pitched for the Jays. He came up. He played high school. He baseball. He was an outfielder. They were going to a tournament. They just ran out of pitchers, so they asked all the outfielders who can throw he could and he ended up throwing the hardest out of all the outfielders so he started pitching wow (laughs) so yeah he didn't really start pitching until he was later in life on like other pitchers but he learned the game became awesome at it but yeah jack morris and uh, dave steve were like rivals a little bit so they uh, took some jabs at each other over the years so since i was just talking about the jays and opening day they have an opening day record of 26 wins 19 losses and their first opening day was in april 7th 1977 with a win over the chicago white Sox. and i don't know if you ever seen the highlights from it but they played at exhibition stadium which was if you ever seen the layout for the stadium it's ridiculous yeah it's just ridiculous but it's been a while since i've actually had to look at that but it was basically a cfl field converted to a, a baseball field which at that time was not the best. Like the outfield is just super long because of the CFL field. You have to see it to truly understand it. But there was snow at that game. It was kind of like Candlestick Park, though. Yeah, way back in the day, though, where they had the where they doubled up of, of yeah. football and baseball field. And there was a lot of fields that were, but this just seemed so disproportionate. Has like, yeah, just the way they built it and. I'm glad that they have the uh, they built the Sky Dome years later. So and uh, but now that's sort of where um, this BMO field is for the Canadian soccer. So um, okay, okay, yeah. So I know you want to talk a little bit about um, soccer as well, like Team Canada making it to they made it. They made it. They yeah. they set out a good goal. Thirty six years in the making. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was talking with my son uh, the weekend that they did it, or the last time I seen him. And the last time they made it, I was 13. So I'm getting to <laughs> live this twice. And he's yeah. 13, being able to experience it for the first time. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. That it's all just clicking like that. But I think they're going to, the, the grouping that they're in is pretty good. Uh, it's, nothing is a given, nothing's uh, foreseen. I mean, as long as they keep going and, keep working better it's great but i saw that i think it was alfonso davies yeah was uh the mvp of the season or of last season i think that's what it was yeah conf conf calf i think it was and you know 2021 so that that was a good award for him he's a canada's player even though he missed some some time with team canada that just shows you how good he is and a special talent oh definitely yeah yeah and i i'm he, he doesn't play in Canada anymore. I know he used to play for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Years ago, he came up through their system, and now he's playing in, and forgive me if I say this wrong, Bundesliga in Germany. So okay. I, I think that's their top-tier t- top tier league in Germany. So it's great to have somebody so recognized on the world stage so playing for Canada. And basically, I don't want to say basically, because that's not fair to the rest of the players on the team, but he is like, Team Canada right now, and just oh, when he's on the sideline, he's he's cheering for the rest of the guys, and 
yeah, it's just awesome to see him there. Well, yeah, as you said, with with him having been out for a few games for uh, um, health reasons, he was streaming himself watching the game yeah. and putting it out there. And you could see the passion still uh, and how much he missed being there with the guys, but still proud of what they're uh, able to pull off. Yeah, exactly. So I think once World Cup, I hope he's healthy and... I think he's going to be a great addition back into the lineup. And I think you never know what happens in World Cups. You, you know, a team can go on a great run like Canada just has for the for the qualifier to get into the World Cup. But you never know what happens on the other side. Maybe a, one of the teams in their division or in their pool, sorry, just goes off the rails. And Canada's there to pick up a couple wins or at least a win and a tie to move on to the next round and... And that's starting up in November, isn't it? Yeah, usually it's the summer, but they moved it to the winter because it's in the desert, so. Might be a bit hot. Yeah, yeah, definitely going to be hot. And I think it's still going to be hot in the winter, too, so. I mean, what's cold for them is really nice for us. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something. That was really special to see Team Canada playing in Canada February, uh, March, and uh, January, like in in Edmonton, like where it's snowing, there's yep. a snowstorm. So it, I think that just made the Canada team like even and just more special. Yeah, people coming out in those weathers, like in, yeah. in our winter weathers, to show the support for these guys that are just going yeah. crazy. Yeah, especially for soccer. I think soccer is seeing a huge resurgence in Canada that it's never had. So maybe it's just a surgence. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm super excited, and not only for this World Cup, I have to get to the World Cup in 2026. Like that would be an experience all on its own, definitely. Yeah, if there's a game, if I know Edmonton is trying to host some games, so if they do end up hosting a game, I have to get tickets for that. I want to go there for sure. If I can't get tickets for the game, I'll find the nearest hill to watch this, the, <laughs> the screens in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. So that that would be a special thing. So. I think your son's going to see, if he's a soccer fan now, he's going to be a soccer fan for a while. And yeah. he's going to see Canada in a lot more World Cups. I, I really believe that. I think the kids that are coming up now are watching players like Alfonso Davis, or Alfonso, Alfonso Davis, and they're going to imitate him. And he's going to be the old guard someday, and somebody's going to take his spot, and it's going to be great. And that's, and I mean, we're never going to be a soccer nation, but we're, we're on the map again. Yeah, yeah. The, the co- our coach, he did wonders with our women's soccer team. Oh, yeah. Then yeah. he bounced over. We all know what he's doing with, with the guys. And as you said, you know, like whether it's my son who he does, he played last year at school and he wants to do it again with the school's team this year, but keep mm-hmm. that little step in all these programs that yep. used to be big 36 years ago can yeah. bounce back and get that support. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Canada is definitely behind them. So it's, yeah. it's awesome. And it's from coast to coast too. Especially with the Canadian Premier League, like, and that is coast to coast. It Vancouver to Halifax, and yep. I know I have a family member in Halifax. He was getting season tickets to the Wanderers, so I think it's great. It's great uh, all around for everybody. A much shorter season though, compared to other places. Yeah, well, the season has already kicked off here in Calgary for the uh, the Premier League. So I know Calvary FC. They played a couple games already, so. I, I I think it goes pretty late in the year, like September, October. Yeah, I'm not sure. So it's still a pretty long season. It's a lo- longer than our CFL teams. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. 
So where are we off to next in this strange, wonderful world of sports? Well, I was, I was, I was bouncing around and I seen a few things and I decided, screw it, I'm going to go down and figure this out. Okay. Fencing. Okay. Not as in buy a house <laughs> and put one around your yard, <laughs> but the old sportsmanship now of what used to be the battlegrounds of then. Okay, yeah. It was found a lot of really information, uh, interesting information. And as I said, you know, it derived from sword fighting from like the 18th century of when that was a primary way of having your battles. Okay. Yeah. And then as time progressed and the weapons became not a sword, <laughs> um, it kind of eased off. And then that became more of a, a sport opposed to an attack. Okay. Yeah. They focus on the competition of it, the health and the well being instead of the military training. So it was done more as almost like a show. Yeah. I learned that fencing has been a part of the Olympics since its first modern era edition in 1896. Oh, yeah. And the first Greek Olympics. Yeah. I was reading something about the first modern Olympics the other day, and I was just like, how did they get everybody to Greece for that? Like back in like 1896, like that would have been... Quite Maybe a few months in advance. Yeah, well, yeah, and there was only fourteen countries, so that, that that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, so since eighteen ninety six, it's been a part of the, it's been a feature of the Olympics ever since. And with everything like move up, they modernize and things like that. So in nineteen thirteen, the International Fencing Federation was founded. Okay, so I kind of brought it everywhere. It's Slowly, it it took a while to get into North America. It was mostly a European in that area type of event. Mm-hmm. In 1924, fencing was in, introduced into the Olympics with their foil event. So there's three different types of weapons in fencing. Okay, I knew that there were different types of swords, so. There's the foil, the sa- saber, and the epee. Okay. Um, so it I just, think it might be called epe. Epe? Yeah, may- right, we'll maybe I, I could be wrong. <laughs> if anyone knows, let us know. Hit us up on our Twitter. Yeah, we're we're learning just as much as we <laughs> can tell you guys. So if it's EP or Epe, we're yeah. we're, we're here to uh, learn. In 1988, the saber moved to the electric touch, where it indicates that the opponent has been struck. Okay. And in 2004, women's saber was introduced into the Olympics. Nice. And that opened up all three levels of the weapons for both men and women in the Olympics. Okay, nice. I think we need to get a fencer on the podcast here. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a cool sport. I've It's one of those sports you only see during the Olympics, but it's going on all the time. So I'd like to see it around more or learn more about it. So There is know. a fencing association in Calgary, a fencing club. I have vacation time coming up, so I might take a trip up there and kind of just see what's going on. So I can see if yeah. I can get a hold of someone and maybe we can do a follow-up on Yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Or if anybody's listening and knows a lot about fencing, drop us a line and we'll have a little chatty chat. But yeah, it seems almost like a dance sometimes when they're going back and forth and just the way they do it. It's almost, I don't maybe elegant is the best word to describe it. That makes sense, though. Yeah. I mean, because... The movements are very smooth. Yeah. And I think that's what really transitioned into the competition and the the health of it. Yeah. When it moved away from the military style of training. 
okay. to have yeah. that come down. You do have that back and forth movement mm-hmm. and try trying to defend, but yeah, it, it is very smooth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think uh I wonder how often like somebody gets hit in the face even though they have that face protection on. I wonder if a blade could just actually slash that or not, or how strong it is, or how often the injuries happen. Yeah. Having looked at their well, for sake's purposes of calling it body armor. Yeah. Um, the mask is really, really tightly made. Yeah. So, I mean, you do have the eyepieces, but I'm pretty sure leading up to each level of safety, there's been that oops, whether it's been yeah. a deflection or whatever. I'm sure someone's gotten something at some time. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know that. And Yeah. One of my favorite players in sports has retired this week. Um, which is very unfortunate, but um, Frank Gore played in the NFL for just under seven decades. It, it seems like that for a running back. He played. Wow. <laughs> he played sixteen years. So first year, first ten years with the Forty ers and you know I I remember years ago playing Madden football and having Frank Gore on my team. So um, like I said, sixteen years as a running back, one of the hardest positions. Like, and he's always run forward just given her at every play so and he just recently signed a one-day contract with 49ers so he could retire as a 49er like five-time pro bowl selection went to a couple i want to call it gray cup but super Bowl. <laughs> bowls thanks for uh reminding me what the name of that was I know, I know you guys haven't been there for a few years it's all right yeah yeah unlike the uh green bay packers it's all right. <laughs> We're just giving away the team right now. That's all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but he's like in the all decades team for the 2010s. So, you know, just an awesome, awesome player. I always liked seeing him play. So I'll, I'll miss him. But last year he didn't play at all, but he, he had a boxing match against Daron Williams, who was a basketball player. Like, was this one of the celebrity boxing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So it was interesting to see. Unfortunately, he lost, but. It was. I think he just wanted to do something different, which he did. And good on him for trying it. And like I said, I'm gonna be sad. But yeah, uh, definitely, definitely a big name in the league. Uh, well, well known. Yeah. So I mean, we all have that goal to retire eventually. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have to win the lottery to do that. But, but yeah, it's like I said, sad to see him go. But what else do you want to talk about this week? <laughs> well, and another huge signing. Early this morning in the NFL, okay. Stefan Diggs signed another four-year extension with the Bills. Oh, nice, nice. Um, so they're so that makes it another six years, and they're figuring there he's going to retire there, but he signed for four years, one hundred twenty-one mil, seventy of that's guaranteed. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I keep seeing these signings. I keep asking my boss for a raise, and I get shut down real fast. <laughs> Yeah, well, he'll be there for the new stadium being built. Yep. Uh, $1.4 billion. Doesn't even come with a roof. <laughs> <laughs> and in Buffalo, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if they want to be that open-air contender, you know, like keep it the way it is, th- this is your surroundings. You know, uh, I-, I agree with what you're saying. I think Buffalo, open-air, just sort of like that New England team that I don't want to talk about. But... They have a nice stadium, and you know it's open air. And, yep. 
but I think people get stuck on, and I and I'm not taking this take on myself. I heard somebody else talking about it. Why, when they have open air stadiums, or sorry, dome stadiums, so they could have it with a retractable roof, and and not just Buffalo, but like other bad weather stadiums, it, Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. You don't have to have it closed for all the games. You know, you could open it up and still take advantage. You know. Either way, whether it's a snowy day and you're playing Miami, open it up so you can have the advantage of the weather. You could do that. Or, you know, last year when they played that team from New England that I don't want to talk about, where it was so windy in Buffalo and they just used their run game. I think the quarterback had like two passes. That's when you want to close. Yeah, the, Allen the, threw for, I think, 18 yards over the yeah. whole game or something like that. It's the lowest yeah. completion yeah. of yards for a game. But they could have closed it then to shut down the, yep. the other team's run game and, you know, take advantage of like that. Like, I used to love the mystique of Buffalo, like way back when Doug Flutie was playing. And when I say that, how they would take advantage of the wind. And I don't know if it's true or not, but the rumors were they would open up some doors and close some doors. <laughs> so if the opposing team was playing against the wind, they would like open some doors so the wind would be even more like pushing on them so that make those field goals tougher. And if they were against the wind, they would close those doors so it would make it a little bit easier on them. So, you know, they could take it's advantage of that. than deflated footballs. <laughs> yeah. It's not as illegal. So um, it would have been great to see stuff like that. Like that. So unfortunately we won't, but still open air stadium. And I think it'll be great. Great addition to the league since we don't have to pay. Like, I don't have to pay for it. So, <laughs> exactly. I'd like to get down. I don't, I mean, obviously, I'd like to get down to a Green Bay game, get down yeah. to Lambeau Field. But I mean, Seattle's the more realistic destination for, from uh, here. That complex is amazingly huge. I, I wasn't in it, but a couple of years ago, like, I guess three summers ago now, we drove down to Seattle and we were just driving around. And where it used to be Quest Stadium, I don't know what it's called now, but the football stadium and the baseball stadium are right beside each other. Like you can throw a rock from one to the other. And it's just humongous. It's just so huge. And because I drive by McMahon Stadium every day and it just, it's big, but it's not. NFL big. So when I was in Kansas a few years back, it's the same idea. Yeah, you have, it's Arrowhead Stadium for a reason. You've got the football field and the ball diamond. Yeah, and the parking lot starts, I think, in the northeast corner with A and wraps all the way around both buildings through the and the majority yeah. of the um, alphabet for parking eye zone. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be amazing to see. And they also have a big racetrack in Kansas City too, don't they? They do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what goes on there, but other than the American Royal, which is a huge barbecue competition, which hopefully I'll go down there to see uh, or to judge. So um, that would be uh, pretty cool to be a part of. I think they have like 400 judges or something ridiculous for a barbecue competition, but that's a whole different sport. So we're recording this as, as we speak on Wednesday evening. Yeah. Um, big news going in. To the next four days, or at least tomorrow, yeah. guaranteed, is Tiger making, I don't want to say it's a comeback, but an appearance at the Masters. Yeah. Whether he can pull off all four days, great. 
He says his swing is good from what I've heard, that his strength in his shots are really good. It's just after about nine or ten holes, the walking really becomes an issue. Okay. I'm not one of those give you a participation ribbon, but I think coming back from what happened a year and a half ago, uh, wrapping around a tree or a lamppost, you know, to be able to just to say, I did it. Yeah. Or and whether he makes the cut or not, that's that's a feat in itself. Yeah, uh, good for him for coming back. It'd be interesting to see how he does, just because of those that type of injury where your back is so involved with swinging the club and then all that walking around too. So yeah, so like I said, it's going to be interesting to see if he can do the whole. And you said it too, see if he can do the whole thing. Maybe they just give him a cart, <laughs> but they wouldn't give uh, other players a cart. I was just so. going to say they they it's hundred percent walking. Yeah. Um. Even when Nicholas was getting older. Yeah. Um, and Palmer, before he passed, you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. I'd hate to see him pull out, I'd re- especially if he's if he's not doing good and he just pulls out because he's not doing good. That's poor sportsmanship. If he's not doing good, I'd still like him to see him finish. But, but I mean, if he's like... Pain management-wise, yeah. though, I mean, yeah. you got to take that. I mean... Yeah, and it's hard for us to say if he's not doing good, is that pain and then he pulls out because he's not doing good it's easy to speculate but yeah but um i also have something that i want to talk about i'm gonna go back to baseball so baseball has been riddled with um sign stealing for years and i'm excited because baseball does not change too much ever and what they're new doing now is they have it's called uh pitch calm and it's a whole system instead of the pet instead of the catcher putting signs in between his legs, fingering around, and he now has this wrist control where he has buttons on there, and it goes to the pitcher, tell him what pitch and where to go. So and so when the batter's at the plate, <coughs> they don't have to worry about the playbook come the the call book coming out of their back pocket. No, not at oh all. <laughs> that's 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 a win right there. Yeah, then. yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they. I think once one team gets good at using this technology, you'll see it spread through the league like wildfire. Now, how is it being done? Because I, I have heard about it. I uh, haven't had a chance to really look into it. And with the Jays, well, no, opening is tomorrow for the league. And I think the Jays is a couple On Friday, later. yeah. So Jays um, were last night. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, is it one team or has each team been able to trial and air this throughout the uh, grapefruit season? I think every team has the opportunity to use it. So okay. I think it's been used in minor leagues and college baseball for a little bit. So it's not like it's brand new, like somebody just picked it up. Obviously, somebody ripped apart a Nintendo Power Glove, took the controls off that, put it on their wrist, spray painted it black. and <laughs> But it can also, like, three different players in the field can have earpieces in as well, besides the pitcher, so they can... Decide where they're going to play and what position, like what adjustments they need to do in the field. So that's kind of cool with the technology as well. I think the I think it's great for baseball. Just it'll be interesting to see it as a fan, where we always like I know I watch the game and you see the picture like put the one finger down. So yep, you're excited to see like that pitcher's best fastball against the batters like the best batter. So it's always been interesting to see that. Now we won't be able to see that coming, but still, I think it's great for the game. I really do. And what are your thoughts on the, up the changes, I guess is for next season that they agreed on just so they get this going 
with the pitch you know, designated clock. hitter yeah. and things like that. I really like the designated, or I, I don't like the designated hitter. I, I like it for one league and not the other. I always thought it gave a little bit of advantage to the um, other league, the National League, especially at World Series time. I always enjoyed watching pitchers bat in the World Series. Like I remember way back in '93, like Al Leiter and being on the bases and sliding in the third and bumping his chin, and it's all like scratched oh, out yeah, with a big yeah. welt on it. And you know when the pitchers get on base, they're wearing their pitching jacket. I always thought that was a special part of the game. And now they're taking that away, and and I know it's not a big thing, and it should like maybe it will make it better for scoring and runs batted in, but I don't know. It's it's taking away something special, and me, and I'm not always a purist of the game. Like I'm always open for tweaks. Like I like the pitch clock that they're going to introduce next year. That one is interesting. Yeah, I, I think that will speed up the game a little bit. Uh, which will be nice. As a fan watching from home, it's a long game. As a fan watching in the stands, maybe not. I, I but I enjoy the atmosphere of a game. Like, and I'm not and I think saying I go any live yeah. sport versus yeah. sitting at home. Whether it's a NASCAR race, a baseball game, yeah. an NFL or CFL game, or if you're there, you've got that crowd. Or you know how Adrian was talking about just the roar of the crowd the players are feeding off of that. And I'm pretty sure yeah. that, that goes, but yeah, if you're sitting at home going, it's only inning number three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does anybody watch inning five or four, five, six, and seven? <laughs> well, seventh inning stretch, I walk away and then turn on for the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be great for the game. So like I said, I'm not always a purist of every little change in baseball, but I do like the designated hitter. Or I do like, not having the designated hitter, I should say. Yeah, no, it's it's every everything needs its own tweaks. Um, yeah, yeah. As you said, you don't have to be a purist for everything. Uh, if it makes the game mm. better, and they they did need to bring back fans. Yeah, because yeah. it they drifted a long ways away with it. And if you even look at, I can't remember if it was last season or the season before. I think it was last season when um, Guerrero Junior got the home run. He he had the most home runs in the home run competition. Yeah, that was a few but years ago, yeah. Someone else actually won it, even though they had less hits than him. Yeah. I'm just going to walk out of the stadium. Like, if this is a competition <laughs> for who dings the most, and you're not giving it to them. Yeah. I mean, there's... But there's politics in every sport. Yeah. Man, do you know what it's like being in a sold-out stadium and seeing him hit a home run? No, oh, I can hey. imagine. I, I was there last year. The final two games of the Blue Jays season, and it was just electric. And when he, oh, when he hit a home run, it was just amazing. Well, when anybody hit a home run, it was just amazing. So, I think I don't have much more sports to talk about this week. No, that's a, that's a pretty good run at it. Uh, yeah. All over the place, but that's kind of us in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I like talking all different sports. I like talking fencing. I like talking Australian rules football. I like baseball. I like football. So it's it's. It's a good, uh, I like our format, so. Yep. It's it's like our lives a little crazy and all over the place. <laughs> but if anybody out there has a sport that they'd like us to talk about, or if anybody wants to come on and talk about their favorite sport, even if it is one of the mainstreams like hockey, football, baseball, basketball, come on, we'll talk, we'll talk a little Just sports with no you. Just no Lakers. They did themselves <laughs> and us a favor and got eliminated last night. Oh, I didn't know that. But I know that the Raptors... They clinched. Uh, yeah, they clinched. 
But they, not only did they clinch, they clinched the top six, which is very yeah. important. And I like to, we'll go, I'm not going to stop talking tonight. <laughs> we talk about purism in baseball and hockey and football. Or I love the format of the NBA playoffs. More teams get in, but those bottom four, I, I love that format. It's great. It's a great play-in system. It's awesome. It just adds another level of excitement. And I think basketball is doing it right. And I think they're going to be doing it right for a long time because of they, some of the plans that they have. Like they have, I know, I think they have plans for this midwinter um, tournament, which will be awesome. And yeah, yeah, they, they uh, have that little winter league and stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing s- stuff like that. Like any innovation, almost to the game. So and one last thing, maybe pending. See where you go with this. <laughs> this is the first year I did the NCAA. Uh, bracket. I posted it up on yeah. the Twitter feed at SFSS Podcast. Yeah. And how did you do? I made it to the final four with Duke. Okay. Nice. And then Duke did Duke things the way they ended their season <laughs> and lost to North Carolina. But congratulations to the final two and to yeah. um, KU for winning it all. I mean, great game. Um, there's up and down and very, very close. Yeah. I. I don't think I had the Jayhawks making it far into the tournament, and I don't think I had the. I think I had the Blue Devils going some semi. Oh no! Then I had not. If I'm not the tar- mistaken, it's the Tar Heels. Yeah, the Tar Heels did not make it far in my pool. I started a pool, and I based it on the team names and who I thought would win in a fight. And I got about halfway through it, and I turned my computer off, and it didn't save on Yahoo or ESPN, whatever. And I lost my, and I just didn't go back. But I think I was going to like have Wolverines win it, uh, Michigan State Wolverines, or Michigan, no, Michigan Wolverines, because the Michigan State Spartans are a different team. That's right. And so, I, I had Duke to win it. Yeah. Coach K had a great run, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's not over until he says it's over. But <laughs> I, I don't know who would do a one year farewell tour. No, no. But yeah. Um, but yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. I thought this was a, uh, another fun one so i hope you did too i did good to get back at it again and uh, we'll do it again soon awesome thanks for listening